Welcome to the Preacher Girl Podcast. I'm Diane Wright, and today's talk is Honoring and Remembering Shubun no He. It was originally shared on September 23, 2012, at the Hopedale Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Oxford, Ohio. In the children's story on this day in Oxford, I explained the Japanese public holiday called Shubun no Hi, a day when people gather at the shrines of their ancestors and pray, make offerings, and sing songs to comfort them. This date falls in the middle of a period of time known as Higan, a time at the autumnal equinox when we are able to penetrate the veil between this world and the afterworld to get messages to our deceased loved ones. When my stepfather died, my mother, an educator, received cards from many children, and on one of the cards, a child had drawn a picture of my stepfather standing on a cloud high above the earth, and he was saying, I wish I had remote control. We can't know what our ancestors are hearing or seeing or thinking, what they might be experiencing, if anything. But think about an ancestor of yours who is no longer alive. If they were able to see and hear what is happening now, what do you think would be important to them? What would they want to know? What would surprise them about the world today? There are two readings today, and the first is a poem called Interval by Jeffrey Harrison. Sometimes, out of nowhere, it comes back. That night when, driving home from the city, having left the nearest streetlight miles behind us, we lost our way on the backcountry roads and found, when we slowed to read a road sign, a field alive with the blinking of fireflies, and we got out and stood there in the darkness, amazed at their numbers, their scattered sparks, igniting silently in a randomness that somehow added up to a marvel, both earthly and celestial, the sky brought down to earth and brought to life, a sublunar starscape whose shifting constellations were a small gift of unexpected astonishment, luminous signaling leading us away from thoughts of where we were going or coming from, the cares that often drive us relentlessly onward and drive us to such flickering intervals when moments are released from their rigid sequence and burn like airborne embers floating free. The second reading is a poem called The Real Work by Wendell Berry. It may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work, and that when we no longer know which way to go, we have come to our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings.
can't even remember what I googled that led me to the woman's website, and I can't remember her name or the name of her company, a video production company focused on international nonprofits. But I remember the story she shared of why she started her company. She had just graduated from college and had taken a job as a reporter at a local station in a town in upstate New York. It was a slow news day. So she and a cameraman were dispatched to a fatal car accident that had happened on the freeway outside town. By the time they got there, everything had been cleared. But it was still a slow news day, so the TV station found the address of one of the people involved in the accident, and the reporter and the cameraman were dispatched to the house. When the reporter approached the front porch, a teenage girl was sitting on the porch swing. The girl jumped up when she saw them and said, Where's my mom? My dad called me and just told me to meet him here, but he didn't tell me why. What happened? Do you know what happened to my mom? The sight of the reporter and the cameraman was all the girl needed to understand that her mom was not coming home. The reporter doesn't say in her story what she did or how she reacted on that porch. What she does say is that the next day she went in and quit her job. She spent the next year traveling around South America. She came back home and decided to try to use her skills for a different kind of purpose. But in my own heart and head, I keep going back to that porch. What would you have said or done if you were the reporter showing up? In a less immediate way, we play both those roles many times throughout our lives. The one who has just experienced a traumatic loss. The one faced unexpectedly with the prospect of being with someone who has just faced a loss. What does it take to stay on the porch, to comfort, to be comforted? What does it take to stay on the porch with someone who is suffering? There's an episode of the adult cartoon show Family Guy where one of the characters is out at a bar with several guy friends and he starts expressing how sad he is and he starts crying and then sobbing And finally, he has his head down, and he's sobbing into his hands on the table. And while he's not looking, the other men quietly sneak away rather than have to face him. And so I was fascinated by Shubun no Hi. In this holiday, people actually seek out the porch. They reflect on their losses. And in doing so, of course, reflect on their own mortality and the cycle of life and death. These issues can be touchy. Just the idea of ancestors can be fraught with pain. Perhaps someone is adopted and cannot know the stories of their blood ancestors. Or perhaps they are a victim of abuse. I want to say that out loud and invite everyone to take a deep breath to do what you need to do to feel safe and comfortable as we consider our family tree.
In my own family, my mother has given us the wonderful gift of her passionate genealogical research. She tells me that when her father died suddenly in his early 50s, she found herself longing to understand him better and to understand what made him who he was. And it launched her into genealogy. It meant that big chunks of my childhood were spent in graveyards with my mother, following her around in search of specific names and dates. It means I am able to tell people that one of my great-great-great-great-grandmothers was the first white baby born in New Amsterdam. And I have a sense of my own family's long history. My father likes to tell the story of a business trip to Japan where he struck up a conversation about genealogy with the young woman who was an interpreter for the group. Somehow the topic came up, and my dad was excited to tell her at that point that we had found information going back about 300 years in our family tree. And she said, Oh, my family also has the family tree recorded. And when my father asked how many years they were able to go back, she said calmly, 5,000. I read a story once of a woman, a writer, who was going through her grandfather's attic after his death, and she found a box full of postcards, mostly from family, which he had kept over the years. Everyone who had written these postcards was now deceased, and she talked of sitting in that attic, reading the brief notes on the back, and how the tone of those notes suddenly took on new meanings. Miss you. Can't wait to get back. See you soon. Some of you may have heard of author Joanna Brooks. She's a Mormon, and her website, Ask Mormon Girl, has become a hub of intense religious discussions, mainly for Mormons themselves. I heard an interview with her, and I was struck by the way she spoke about the Mormon belief of families being sealed to one another forever. She said that all during her life, it has meant that for her, her ancestors remain a vibrant part of her life and her path. She was raised in a way that causes her to experience them as still rooting for her, still wanting her to make good decisions. What would my ancestors want for me? How do we honor them and the sacrifices they made? Some of my ancestors came down the Ohio on a flatboat in the 1790s, and one of those women delivered a baby on that flatboat on New Year's Day. It helps me to remember this story when I'm feeling whiny. I have a couple of friends now who practice family constellation therapy. In family constellation therapy, and and I know I won't do it justice with my description, the idea is that when we experience stressors or depression, sometimes we are experiencing the impulse from an ancestor whose pain was not acknowledged or addressed during their lifetime. In the process of therapy, the ancestor's voice and concerns are brought forward. 
It resonates with the research I know about patterns of pain that do occur in families. Abuse, alcoholism, neglect. It seems like another interesting way to seek an understanding of those patterns and a way to keep the painful patterns from continuing. In Oxford on September 23rd, when I first delivered this talk, I asked the people gathered there to consider an ancestor, to think about the experiences of that ancestor and what words might be comforting for them in the tradition of Shubun no Hi. People wrote their messages on note cards, and I gathered them, and then I read them out loud before the group. As I prepare to share those messages here, I invite you to think about an ancestor of yours. Maybe it's someone who died before you were born, but whose story you have heard told at family gatherings. Maybe it's a close family member no longer with us. Maybe, because of circumstance, you cannot know the facts or details about this ancestor, but always wished you could know more. I invite you to reflect on the ways you might want to recognize your own Shubun no Hi during or after this podcast, either by yourself or with friends or family. There was a wonderful feeling in the sanctuary as I prepared to read from these cards a feeling of all who were gathered there being empowered to participate in the message. Here are the messages for the ancestors of those who were gathered with me that day. To my grandmother, thank you for sending me strength and encouragement. To my grandmother, thank you for your firmness of faith, the rock from which you lived. To my father, you have four grown grandchildren. We are happy. To my grandmother, I still write thank you notes and think of you each time. To Pop Pop, I wish you could see what we have done to reconnect with the living family. Although you never spoke about them or used the Italian you tried so hard to forget, I know it would be an honor to see the links of our family re-fortified. To my father, I understand now. To my father, thank you. I love you. To my two late aunts, Your daughters are all right. To my grandmother, how wonderful it was to hear you sing and play the piano. How lovely to hear your voice in poetry. I remember the sound of you. To my mother, your beloved sister is close at hand. I rejoice with you both over your impending reunion. Blessed be. To my great-grandmother, that must have been such hard work. Thank you. To my mother, I think about you so often. To my grandpa, 
Your great-grandson is a big Cincinnati Reds fan. To my mother, I was too quick to disagree with you. As I age, I am more able to see your side of things. I wish I could tell you. To my father, I know that losing your father so young totally transformed your life plan. You had to become responsible for your mother and your two young siblings. You couldn't talk about it, but we know and are sorry. To my grandmother, I am sorry for not being nice when you lived with us. Thanks for all you have given me. To my grandfather, do you have a message for your son who was an alcoholic and abusive? What will you say to him? Will you find a way to address his fears and even soothe him? Forgive him? To my grandfather, don't worry, Grandpa. Though you died at 52, your wife and eight children all survived into adulthood, including my mother, your youngest child, who was nine when you died. All of your kids married. Some had children. Grandma, your wife, got to hold me before she died at 65. You have numerous grandkids and great-grandkids. To my mother, I was not loving to you before you died. I did the right things, but did them with a sense of obligation, not love. I'm sorry I could not love you then. To my great-great-grandmother, I wish I could ask you about your Indian name and your family. To my mother, I'm so sorry we hurt each other with our words. As we consider our own messages to our ancestors, I'll share these words from Kathleen McTighe. They are with us still. In the struggles we choose for ourselves, in the ways we move forward in our lives and bring our world forward with us. It is right to remember the names of those who gave us strength in this choice of living. It is right to name the power of hard lives well lived. We share a history with those lives. We belong to the same motion. They too were strengthened by what had gone before. They, too, were drawn on by the vision of what might come to be. Those who lived before us, who struggled for justice and suffered injustice before us, have not melted into dust and have not disappeared. They are still with us. The lives they lived hold us steady. Their words remind us and call us back to ourselves. Their courage and love evoke our own. We, the living, carry them with us. We are their voices, their hands, and their hearts. We take them with us 
and with them choose the deeper path of living. Here is my hope for all of us, that we can lose ourselves a little bit on the roads we travel, slow down and pay attention to the gift of a field of fireflies, appreciate the beauty of this day. Yeats said, The world is full of magical things, patiently waiting for our senses to sharpen. I hope that we can find many ways to look anew to those who are with us here and stay on the porch with them through both joy and sorrow. My hope for us is that we can reflect fearlessly on our own death. Buddha said, Of all the animals of the forest, the elephant is the greatest. Of all the things on which we can meditate, death is is the greatest. My hope for us is that we might lose ourselves in the beauty of the journey, to realize it's okay when we don't know what we're doing or where we are going, because that's when our real work, our real journey, can begin. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Preacher Girl Podcast. My name's Diane Wright. You can download more free episodes of the Preacher Girl Podcast on iTunes or at podbean.com. Special thanks to sound engineer Stephen Grant Smith, whose music appears on this podcast. You can find more of his music on Amazon or at cdbaby.com. Until next time, feed your spirit, live in love.